Hey, this is the inaugural. We're live. Not really, but here. I'm Chris Dunham. Who are you? I'm Mike Michaels. He's Mike Michaels. And this is the Chris and Mike show till we come up with something better. And we may never come up with anything better. Well, you never know. So, what do you have? What are your thoughts? Because we were going to do Cosmic Cafe, and that's that's everybody and their mother has Cosmic Cafe, you know. Yeah, and when I went and looked it so up, there was something that's that, that there was a ton of them. Yeah, I mean the concept of it's cool because cosmic means you have nothing that you're really bound to as far as topics concerned, which is what we like. We want to be able to talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about every time we get together to do this thing. So the the more generalized our name is, I think the more freedom we'll have as podcasters. I agree. So, you know, we, because down yeah. the road, I would, so, you know, we'd like to have guests. Cool, oh, absolutely. I already have people in mind. We could have guests from when I did my radio show. I still have I've been in contact with a lot of those people over the years. Plus, you know, you and I have mutual friends on the, on the world wide web that we could have chime in. You know, and, and we do a, a guess, but remotely, I don't think that I don't think virtually. the name is going to I don't think the name is going to limit us to what kind of podcast we can do or who we can have on it. I think it's just the sheer volume of people that are watching it and those guests wanting to be on here for that reason. Right. But again, if we call ourselves, uh, you know, the USD prime farm news, we're limited to farming cock. We're not Correct. farmers. I mean, granted, you live in middle America with lots of farmland surrounding you. And I know they on the West Coast, as you know, which is, you know, dry, barren desert for the most part. So we, you know, we got to kind of have something like, you know, they call ourselves Alter Bridge, but there's a band that's called Alter Bridge, which is, you know, an epic band with a fantastic vocalist. I've seen them twice live, met them both times. What a bunch of nice guys. Mark, Tremonti, they- you know, Mark Tremonti, not only does he, yeah, not only does he play guitar in Alter Bridge, but also he's one of the co-founders of that band, Creed. Um, he also does an entire Sinatra album because he has a Down Syndrome daughter. So he just released this album of nothing but Sinatra covers. Motherfucker sounds just like Frank, man. It's insane. So you take that. You take the fact that he's this amazing guitar player, right? Like I took Nikki to their, their concert, um, which was a Last Hero show, which ended up being what they filmed live. In, in Wembley with the Paradox, I got that wrong, the Paradox something orchestra. It was like a two and a half hour show. And I'm like, this is fucking amazing. Not realizing that it was one of the first shows building up to that epic recording and live DVD monstrous thing overseas. She was blown away at him live. Granted, we were this close to him. Um, but just meeting them, like genuinely cool down to earth human beings. There was no arrogance or narcissism about them. They were just really cool. So anyway, what I'm going with here, he also wrote a book, a psychological thriller based on one of the albums he did from his solo shit. Dude's like, like just fucking well-rounded, creative, solid human being, which, you know, is awesome. Cause the Sinatra album, all the proceeds go to down syndrome research and study and help with that. Like he's not keeping I, any of those pretty legit. I haven't listened to that one yet, but I thought that was really cool. He did that, and I didn't know that's why he did it. So that makes it even cooler. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, no, he's. I mean, I don't. I don't know him like I know you, but you know, the short time that that the last hero tour, you actually could still meet and greet people, shake their hands, talk to them. I had pictures like with them next to me, right? This last time they came to town, it was like, oh, they're on the stage. You can ask five questions. Well, that was that was that was cool, but the sound check was fun because it's always cool to see sound checks. But it wasn't the same intimate experience we got previously. And this time I took my buddy Jay Erickson. I started with my buddy Scott, who's no longer buddy because he he just turned into a total fucking asshole that day. So I took his ass home. Fucking last thing you said to me, use your turn circle. I'm like, fuck you, dude. I haven't talked to him since. Dude's a fucking prick. Like, like he ruined the moment. He ruined the sound check for me. I was so pissed. So then I drop his ass off and I post something to my buddy Jay, who's a lender. He's like, holy shit, you like Alter Bridge? I'm like, yeah, dude, come on. I had a whole Good News Arizona episode where every time I had a chance, I had a little boom and I played 13 seconds of their song. So Jay came. We were front row. He's like fucking six four. So. There was just like nobody was fucking with us. We were standing right here the whole time looking at Miles. Just phenomenal. This show was so great that the crowd, probably 80% of the night, was singing the songs for him. It's, I mean, they played at the marquee, okay? You know the marquee oh, theater awesome. in Phoenix, right? Tempe? That's awesome. It's small. It's like 2,400 people, man. These guys sold out Wembley three nights in a row, and they're fucking... There, somebody's walking to my door right now. They didn't knock though, so I'm going to be ambushed and killed on this podcast. Oh, they just left. Okay, no problem. Who's the mailman? It's the mailman. The United States postal worker was here today. <laughs> I don't know what I got because I'm on. I'm on this. It'd be weird to go to the door and get my package and come back. Right? Open it live on a podcast. Look what I got. And then it'd be really bad if it was some kind of, you know, married people adult thing I got. And, you know, and Mickey wouldn't talk to me for like a month, like, what the fuck? So we won't, we won't. <laughs> So let's go back to what we're actually here for, Mike, and that was figuring out what to call ourselves as, as opposed to, you know, the United States Farm Bureau, which wouldn't work. We can't call ourselves after a band. No, I don't know anything <sighs> about farming. We can call it, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I know a little bit, but not a lot. You know, I do live on an acre, and we, we did plant corn that subsequently died this past uh, summer. We planted uh, tomatoes, which went just fucking ape shit. So many tomatoes, it was insane. Uh, potatoes. We grow potatoes, like, like legitimate. Like, you know, we, you, you get the eye of the potato. Like, when the potato, you know, starts the eye, that's when you plant it. And then all you do for potatoes, which is a trip, man, you could do this in your backyard. You just add dirt. You water and add dirt. You just keep adding dirt because the, the higher the dirt pile is, then the, the more they grow. So that was fucking badass having a, a potato out of the garden that smelled like dirt and tasted fantastic. Same with the tomatoes. We had peppers, but they didn't really work very well. Um, we got four chickens now because Nikki went and got two chickens this past weekend. So now we have four again. Um, you know, waiting to see how many she kills. Don't tell are they story. laying eggs for she you? She doesn't yet? kill them on purpose. They just have. They are two of them are two of them are yeah. The the ones that we lost, um, one just kind of like fell over and died. We don't know how we went in there. And, I'm sorry, she went in there because I don't mess with them. Um, it was just dead. It was dead, and the other one they had a uh, egg stuck 
which you didn't realize it had an egg stuck. Um, and then when it passed over the rainbow bridge to, to chicken heaven, there was a black egg sitting, you know, where it comes out of I'm like, Oh, that's why. That's why. So the egg, get, the, the egg, egg getting dying. stuck, I mean, we, the egg getting stuck right. killed the chicken. It's a whole, it's a whole new definition of constipation, like straight up. Dude, that's fucking crazy. Like I never had that problem. Right, I never have eggs stuck in me, and I, I, you know, my my bowels fluid right all the time because I eat stupid, healthy, and boring. But chickens eat all kinds of shit if you think about it. And yeah, it it, it backed up and just you know that was it. Fell over in the water and it kept trying to get up with its head. It wasn't it wasn't working. The body wouldn't follow, and we didn't know what to fucking do. We're not you know we're not chicken experts. You know, my neighbor's like, dude, call a vet. Like fucking call a vet for a chicken seriously. No, no, it's you lay the egg or you cut the head off and you eat it. Call the vet, man. So, yeah, now she's got so some more. And, and uh, I'm gonna have to ask my friend when I see him tomorrow if uh, they've yeah. ever had any chickens die of getting the egg stuck. I gotta know. Blockage, blockage. blockage. I, forget what, I forget what it's called, but you know, blockage, something like that. We can That's call the, the show blockage, I'm... you know. <laughs> You know, blockage with Chris and Mike and people are like, what the fuck is this about? Somebody so I suppose about. we probably should tell America yeah, why we probably should tell America why they should listen to us. Why should they listen to us? Because we're because we're two white guys. I don't know. Why would why would any because okay, why do you listen to what you listen to? That's 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 the way to start that is what do you What's the, the determination of what you listen to podcast-wise? Either for learning purposes or those people are like-minded individuals. Okay. So it doesn't not, matter as far as name recognition? No, not necessarily even what they do. Or is it I, more just, I don't care. It's, so it's, yeah, so it's, okay, so it's more of just like, the relevance of what they're talking about, whether what the topics may be and, you know, that kind of concept. Yeah. And since we're not doing a tutorial podcast, ours is going to be people that are probably going to be like-minded. So I guess what I'm saying is we were both musicians at one time. We played in bands. We subsequently became addicts. We overcame addiction. Right. And found life on the other side and became musicians again and are here to live to tell our story, so to speak. Life on the other side. So I like that. Yeah. I'm sure, well, it's, Google, I'm sure it's taken, but life on Google the other it side. and there's probably 50 of them. Life on the other side. Can I Google Can you, while I'm on podcast? Let's see what happens here. Life yeah, you, on the other side podcast. Let's see what it does. Okay, it's life on the other side. Christian John Bradley. Oh, yeah, it's a Christianity podcast. So that wouldn't work. I kind of figured maybe there would be a little bit of a uh, um, Christian element to that because, you know, it's life on the other side, you know. But I think that's the right kind of direction, you know. 
You had something we were talking about before we decided to hit record. What was that? I knew you were going to ask me that. Right. It was something about music and mayhem. Oh, hold on. I put it. I put it in my notes. Okay. This is oh, good for you, Mike. See, good job, man. Super not professional right now, ladies and gentlemen. I apologize. That could that could be a name, the Super Not Professional Show. (laughs) I am the guitar player. Look that up. Super not professional show. It'll become painfully obvious why I started this podcast and the guy who's typing on the computer right now, he's definitely a more fluid speaker than I am, so I shall do the best I can. There is no one that owns the name the Super Not Professional Podcast. I don't know why I put the word store in it. The super not professional. Okay, so I have I there's a Facebook group called We Are Not Professionals podcast, but nothing nothing is deemed the super not professional podcast as of yet. So I think that should be a working title. Okay. Super not okay. professional podcast. Okay, hold on. Here's here's what I had, and I was wrong <laughs> before we started the podcast. Okay. That's why I put things in my notes because I'm not going to make a mystery about it. I might like to uh, partake in the finer things in life, and occasionally I forget things, so I put them in my notes. Right. So it was That's music, good. myth, and what mayhem. What kind of notes is notes? Music, myth, you know? and mayhem. The three M's. Oh look! Oh, you did the notes in your phone, right on the Apple. Yeah. Notes. See, look, look at me, notes? man. No, it is music, yeah. Apple music myth, and mayhem. Music, myth, and mayhem. Yeah, so like you're going to learn a lot about music. Right, you're going to hear some bullshit stories because right. sometimes we fabricate the truth because it's fun. And there's mayhem right. because we don't abide but there's by always, any set rules. Right, but there's always an element of truth in the storytelling. Oh, 100%. There's always something that is accurate. Like my well, book, we're, right? Like the book, if you know what I'm talking right? Like yeah, I never book. got a copy. See, there's an element of truth in the book. Yeah, I never got a one. copy of that, by the way. There's an element of truth. I'll get you one. You could go on Amazon and buy it, but I'll send you one. So, no, I should, but there's I an should element go on of truth Amazon because when I, used to work, when I used to work with Chuck, um, one of the conversations we had one year was that when he dies, he doesn't want to be buried in a cemetery, which, you know. He was an Arizona board red cowboy. When you think cowboy, you think Chuck, at least I do. So that being said, we had this little conversation that once he dies, if I'm aware of it, I'm going to go steal his body and make sure he's buried on an open range. That's basically the premise of the book. So it's based on a true story because it was based on a conversation that took place while doing cowboy shit. But the whole story itself is fabricated. And I, I was by no means trying to imply that we would lie to somebody on purpose. We just sometimes can't remember right. exactly what happened well, and exactly what. Right. Well, yeah. It's a, well, yeah. Right. It's like I got a buddy that I've known since high school, and, and when he starts slinging tales about high school, I just kind of sit back quietly and listen because I'm like, okay, I don't remember doing that, but okay, I'll agree to it. You know. <laughs> See it. And I think I was looking Especially at it more age. from, I was looking at it more from the opposite. Hopefully you remembered more than I did because right. I don't remember a lot of any of that. Yeah. 
I was only sober for one gig, and I that's because so, I had the yeah. flu. Oh, like Ozzy. I just came back from the doctor. The doctor said I had the flu, and I said, fuck you, I'm playing anyway. <laughs> That was in his no more, no more, no more tours tour. The original one, way back in the day, like '93, I think that shit was. That was about around about the time that you and I connected and and began our our adventures in music. Well, I remember that gig I, like it was I yesterday because we were playing at the Big Fish Pub, and I was so sick. I had to go behind my marshal a couple oh. times and you know use a bucket back there. Oh. So that would have been the only gig that I ever played sober. I think we opened up for Seven Dust that night, if I remember right. I did not remember that. We opened up for so many fucking, like, legit bands that weren't legit at the time on on a grand scale, right? Because of grunge took over, and 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 the music industry was just so one sided with grunge that nothing else was was relevant at the time, well you know? yeah a lot of those bands that we opened up for were playing arenas two years before that and then they ended right. up headlining yeah. the mason yeah. jar with us yeah exactly i love playing the mason jar man that that place it's now a gay bar but back then that place just had so much fucking history man like the remember the little pictures on the walls the little frames of the bands Oh yeah! Like, so many bands went through that place when they were nothing, when they were no one, you know. And I, just, I actually I mean, still have a, a band. And I guarantee you, at some point in time, I actually still have a signed letter from Franco saying that we could use his name and the name of the Mason Jar on any of our band correspondence, any any way that he could help us. He actually signed a letter and gave it wow. to us. Yeah, it was awesome. They were good people, man. I love, I love playing there. I love swinging from the light truss and giving away pictures of beer, and you know, just when when Maverick would come and say one more song, and we'd bust out Intervention to Buy, which was like eleven minutes. It's like, okay, dude, one more song. Yeah, well, we got in trouble for that. Yeah, I rem- I you just never said rem- the length. I need a three minute song. Yeah, well, I, Jason came up to me after we did that the first time, and he's like, don't ever do that again. <laughs> Jason loved this, though. We he were did. that band that could play with anybody. Like, there was nobody there was nobody we could play with. I mean, the fact that Nemesis opened for Sacred Right, I mean, fucking kidding me? We weren't even the same fucking planet with Sacred Right, right? No, but we, no, but we played with him a lot of times because he, he did. He loved us. Yeah, yeah. You know he passed oh, away a couple oh, of years ago, right? Enough's Enough was another band we played with. Oh. Did, did you know Jason passed away? Oh, I did not know that. That sucks. COVID yeah, 20. Or not yeah, tw- prior to. I believe he passed away in 2020. That sucks. That really sucks. He's a good guy. Speaking of COVID, Skyler just tested positive for COVID. I said congratulations. And for those of you who don't know, Skyler's my eldest child. She's my daughter of... What is she, 27? 27, yeah. So, it's, yeah, she texted me a picture. Because the little man had his tonsils out. He's my grandson. And she just texted me a picture of the, the, of the results. And I was like, congratulations. Like, I don't know what you want from me. Because, you know, it's, you know, welcome. It's not COVID, man. It's the flu, right? 
all that bullshit. It's, 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 you know, there's the little man. I don't know if you can see that, but there's, he busted out. He found this guitar, this play guitar. Shit you not, Mike. I showed him how to put it over his head and he put his hands and where they were supposed to be and started jamming. He's even got the rock star stance, man. I know, I know, I know. I got, and when we get proficient with this shit, we can pull up pictures and stuff and boom, there's a picture, you know, of, you know, whoever we talk about, oh, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, just for the record, this is the, as as he stated earlier, this is the inaugural podcast, so things will definitely get smoother and easier. Number one. Remember that Sesame Street count, dude? Yes. We were just discussing him at work the other day. That dude was amazing. Really? What was his name? Count what? He was just the count. It was just the count. Yeah, because that was his sole purpose on Sesame Street was to teach us to count. Counting. Yeah. One, two, three. Little man's not into Sesame Street. I don't know why. Uh, I'm, none I'm of these, fine with it because I had enough of Sesame Street with. Yeah. None of these kids today are into Sesame Street anymore. They got their own shit they watch. Yeah. My little man watches uh, Peppa Pig. Bluey. He loves A Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, yesterday I actually took him because I had him Monday, Tuesday because of tonsillitis. Um, I took him to see the Paw Patrol movie. Let me tell you the racket that they have with children's movies now, Mike. Wait so on. this thing started at 12.15. This thing started at 12.15. Little Man and I are the only two people that walked into the Harkins Theater. Okay, that's it. Love him to death because I asked him if he wanted snacks. He said no. He just wanted to go to the theater. Well, I convinced him we had to get a little small bag of popcorn. He picked out gummy bears and I got some water because I don't drink the shit. So we go to the movie theater. There's nobody. It's just us. So I always like to sit in the very front row before the lower level, right? So you can use the, the rails as footrests. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. We're there for like two minutes. He's like, calls me pop. He's like, he calls me pop, pop. He's like, pop, pop, I don't go up. So we left the seats going all the way to the top. I let him wait. Where do you want to go? All the way up. All the way to the top, dead center, to the top row. The previews start at 12.15. The fucking previews go until 12.35 with a four-minute capper of Dora the Explorer doing some kind of nonsense bullshit that did nothing but piss us off because little man has a patience of a four-year-old. Why? That's just going to be four. And he kept looking at me saying Paw Patrol. I'm like, I know, dude. I don't know what's going on. So finally the movie starts, right? So then... Up in the front row, up in the top row, and then right when the movie starts, this other mother and her child come in. They sit like five rows down in front of us. So there's four of us total in the theater. Well, little man's going back and forth along the row, and I keep telling him as he gets closer to the steps to stay up in the row because I don't need him tumbling down. And you know, so he does a pretty good job staying up. It's you know, the whole movie itself went from twelve forty to one thirty, maybe. Like, it wasn't long, so you needed all the previews and shit. But it was, to me, it was excessive. So then we're done. He had fun. He liked it. You know, he was standing up a lot of time, you know, cheering and clapping and shit. And this credit start to roll, so we go down the stairs 
to the bottom and, and what I didn't know about him because I've never took him to a movie before is he likes to stay on the bottom part and dance while the music's rolling in the credits. Most people have seen three-and-a-half-year-olds dance, so it was not as bad as Elaine on Seinfeld dancing, but he has this weird little <laughs> circle kind of hop-around step he does, and he puts himself on the ground and kind of flips his legs up like he's doing some break-dancing spin, right? So then I'm thinking that that once he's done with dancing, we're cool, so I'm like, let's go. Well, then he's like, I don't want to go. I'm like, dude, he's like, Paw Patrol. I'm like, dude, Paw Patrol's over. This is just the credits, man. So he throws a little tantrum to where when he throws a tantrum, it's kind of like downward dog and yoga and puts his face in his, in his hands and, and lays in the ground. And I'm, so I'm just, you know, with age, you have patience. So I'm like, really? Really, dude? Like, so I, I go and sit on the last, the first step going up to the top. So he sees me over there and comes and sits next to me. And we're just watching credit scroll. I mind you, he can't read. All he recognizes is the letter A and the letter O because it's in his name, Anthony. Every now and then, oh, there's an A, Papa. Yeah, there's an A. So finally all the credits leave and are get done and we leave and, you know. Um, that was our Paw Patrol adventure. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. He had fun. It was nice that it was only us in the movie theater, you know. He didn't really grasp the concept of that. Um, aside from wanting to be on the very top row so you could see the whole screen, you know, the whole giant movie screen to a might as well call him four, before and descended. Well, but that was fun. So we enjoyed that. I apologize for yawning. I just yawn. I don't know if I'm boring myself or I'm just sore because I worked out. It's Hell Week at Orange Theory Fitness. It was brutal workouts the last two days. And since I can finally run again, I'm only jogging. It was, you know, it's, it's, you don't realize how out of shape your legs are. You haven't really used them aside from walking since February 26th to oh, tr October trust me, 1st. I'm, I'm aware. Like, well, that's just, but that's because you don't, you don't work out like I do. No. You know, I don't know. That's, that's the one thing once we dive into you know, alcoholism and addiction and shit. That's the one thing that I've I've learned. Running helps me clear my head. It helps me purge the shit. You know, like I had a couple of weeks ago, I went and met with this family who I've known for years. Like I dressed up as Santa Claus for the kids to take pictures with and shit, right? And they get ready to move to the East Coast. So went and talked to them, had an appointment, discussed listing their house, all that kind of jazz. Everything went solid, had no negative feelings that I want to laugh. You know, the follow-up questions were great. My follow-up was fantastic. I send them cards with little treats. It's, you know, it's what I do. So the wife pushes out and has the husband call me and tell me they chose to go with this realtor who sold two houses in the last 12 months and is basically 90 years old and does nothing but stick a sign in the yard. I'm like, you fucking kidding me? Like, what's up with that shit? Well, normally I'd go run it out but I'm not allowed to run, run yet. So I, you know, I didn't, but that kind of shit just is mind boggling because I'm so competitive and so driven with what I do and how I do it. It just, it, it pisses me off for it just because they've known her. They used her for like four transactions, mind you, in their lifetime, only one or maybe, and they kicked their kids to her. Um, but that's it. And that, you know, she literally, she's a discount broker, so she doesn't offer 3% like I do all buyer's agents. 
She doesn't do video. She doesn't do commercial stuff. She just throws a sign in the yard, sticks a flyer in the house, and sticks on the MLS. Woo! Whole nother topic. See how I go all over the place, Mike? You need to well, talk more. You need to inject yourself more into your conversation. You're, I can tell you you're the second person that I've heard say that running is their outlet to alcoholism. Really? Yeah. I got a buddy that lives Somebody in... Somebody work with? No, he lives in the state of Washington. When I worked at Guitar oh. Center in Phoenix, he was my manager. Oh. And he yeah. gave up drinking and he took oh. up running as Why well. Not? I always see his pictures Why on not? Facebook of all his trail cams and all the mountainous runs he takes. And Oh, right on. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm waiting to get back to the whole trails and running in the mountains and shit because that's a lot less uh hard on your feet because that's the other thing people don't realize like like i don't consider myself a professional runner right but i've had people refer to me as an athlete at orange theory because of you know my insanity when it comes to health right because but that's the addictive personality you find something to replace your addiction and then it's tunnel vision and a lot of people i don't think realize that and, and I go in there with the game face on, like I'm here to I'm here to fucking work. I'm not here to socialize and fuck around, and get all giddy, get fucking high fives. Woo, fuck that! I'm there for an hour to kick my own ass because that's what I need, you know, to Correct. keep the demons at bay. Anybody and I know I know my demons and I know my weaknesses. Anybody who's been an addict, had an addiction of any kind, understands that that energy has to go somewhere else once you give up that addiction. Right. Because if you it, don't, what happens? You go right back down the rabbit hole. Exactly. That, that, that energy and that wanting to fill that void or that time or that space in your life doesn't just go away. You have to replace it with something. And that something has to be positive. Agreed. Absolutely. And people don't realize if, if they haven't been in our shoes, they don't understand how quickly that can turn. Like I had a family member that was straight up addicted, had addiction issues for about seven years. And every time that that person would get to the point of, okay, detox and then, and then sober living. And then once you're out of, the 30 day sober living kind of transition thing. And you go into the halfway house or whatever transition that's there, that um, that's the major glitch in the addiction world. There's no, I mean, think about it. when you're getting clean, you're in a lockdown facility, right? Like you, you can't leave. You're, you're just in prison basically for whatever amount of time, more three days, five days, seven days. Right. Well, then mine, you transition mine was, from that into a 30-day... Mine was self-imposed, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. So then you go from that intense lockdown detox to a 30-day program, right? At a minimum. Okay. I mean, some people it's max, whatever. But you have all the support in those 30 days. You have 24-hour care. You have any given time you wake up two o'clock in the morning, oh, I feel like, you know, getting high. You have somebody down the hall you go talk to. Everybody's there for the same thing, the same mindset. They all want to get healthy. They all want to recover. They all want to make amends. They all want to go through the steps, right? 
the vicious cycle of the steps because it is vicious. If you go through it once, and this person went through it seven times. So, you know, we won't go into the steps of what I feel about the bills in the book. But then you leave that. You leave that that support mechanism that you're in, you're housed in, that you're, you're completely in the safe place and you're released to the world. Now, this person couldn't come back and live with family because they had tarnished that by, by doing heavy drugs within that household. So there wasn't an option to return. So they had to brave the bullshit halfway houses and the sober living facilities, things like that. That's where the glitch happens, man. That's where the chaos reinstitutes itself because when you walk into one of those group homes, which could be a four-bedroom house with two bathrooms, and you're housing 16 adults that have issues with addiction. They're there for a reason. It's all about the Benjamins for the people who own it because they don't provide shit. you got to buy your own food. you got to buy your own stuff. I mean, there's nothing that they provide you except a roof over your head, but you're sharing it with 15 other people. So as quickly as that addict can remove themselves from that environment, because that's a high fucking stress, high drama, fuck you, you're in my space, you know, everybody handles recovery different. That's where the glitch is. And that's where every single failure happened with this family member once they got to that point and had to open that door of recovery, that's where they would tumble and fall. Every time, wow. without exception, except the very last time. You and I you and I have talked many times about the number one factor is you have to want to succeed in recovery yourself before anyone else can help you. Obviously I went through mine Absolutely. by myself. I went through mine by myself. So mine was self-imposed, but I tried three times before I was successful because yep. the first two times that I tried, I didn't really want to quit. I was quitting because people told me I was an addict. Mostly it was that. Mostly it was people right. that kept telling me, hey, you got a problem. And I knew I had a problem. I didn't need somebody to tell me I had a problem. And that made me feel worse about it. So that made me want to get high even more. It wasn't until I knew that my health was at risk that I literally had hit rock bottom. Right. I had one so-called friend left in the world that knew what was going on with me. And that was Kevin. I will right. give him credit that he let oh, me really? live with him when I was going through my worst, man. He never gave up on me. So if it had not been for him, I wouldn't have made it. I wouldn't be That's sitting here cool. talking to you. So I would say this, the biggest thing that people need to understand is if it's their family member and someone that they care about, there's really nothing you can do other than to be positive and support them with positivity and not negativity, not negativity, not telling them they're an addict constantly because they know they're an addict. They don't need any help with that. Right. And, and the other little thing too, telling them that they're an addict and telling them that they need help. Typically, people don't listen because, like you just said, you're going to get help when you realize you need help. And there's got to be something in your life that makes that all of a sudden, holy shit, I, this is this is what I'm living like. This, something has to change. You have to have, I don't want to say epiphany, 
but you got to have that moment that just ah, uh, kind of like you know this one time I was I was at this place in in, in where was it I think Tempe called the Electric Ballroom right yes yeah. watching this band and I was I was young and I had powerful voice and I could sing along with people like Kevin Martin of Box. So Excellent. I'm, I'm singing along with Kevin and this fucking long haired dude, right? This long haired dude keeps turning his head, looking at me like, shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up. Every time I'm holding out his notes and, you know, all of it, just fucking rocking hard. And then half the stage goes out with a blown fuse. This motherfucker has the balls to turn around and give me a business card and say, hey, are you a singer? I'm in a band, man. <laughs> See, and that was that moment. That was one of those moments in life that, like, yes, I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be. This is where I'm supposed to be this day and time. It's going to change the trajectory of my lifetime, whether it's good or bad. It was one of those moments that you had to be. If I didn't go to that show, that never would have happened. And that path of falling in love with music for real never would have happened. So it's the same concept with whether you're alcoholic or a drug addict gotta have that moment that just fucking resonates in your soul and says yes so this is where the change needs to happen do you know how you know how crazy that is to hear that story back for me because i went from being like i'm not even the same person anymore man that guy used to go to concerts by himself right i wasn't there with anybody i was just like i love Candlebox, and i can't no stop shit. listening to that first album so somebody told me that they were going to be at this new place called the electric ballroom. That place had just opened up not that long before they played there. And I was like, fuck yeah, it, man, yeah. it's right down the road. So I bought right. a ticket and I went to the, sh I used to go to all kinds of concerts by myself. I went and saw Steve Miller. I saw Ario Speedwagon. I just saw all the people that I wanted to wow. see. And I didn't know a lot of, you know, I, I had just met you. So I didn't know a lot of people at the time. I didn't really have a choice. If I wanted to go do something, I went and did it by myself. Right. Right. Now there's right. like three movies I've wanted to see in the right. last two right. months and I and won't go do are, anything by myself. That's funny. Right. And then, and, and for those that are listening to this, that story was how Mike and I met. That was the original meeting of he and I. It yes. Apparently I even had business cards. Three ish somewhere around there. You did. You did. <laughs> That's when the band was called Desperate Angel. And then later on, I saw, I think it was a Pearl Jam's video, Jeremy. Um, no, it wasn't Jeremy. It was the lyric that turned to my nemesis, pulled that fucking gun. That's, then I was like, oh, nemesis, nemesis. And then you ran with that idea. And, and there we were. Yes, because I still nemesis have the is, mind you. Nemesis is the goddess of vengeance in Greek mythology. Right. Now it's some. Like fucking rapper took it or something? No, it's some fucking pop band from Belgium. Uh, uh, They're terrible. Fucking terrible. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if, this, if they're not us, they have to be terrible. So, yeah. So does this have a... Oh, there it is. I was going to say... When I met you, we minutes. had just fired amazing? Mike. 41 minutes with no... Because no we played at the Electric Ballroom. About a month before. Ooh, there's a month before what? We played probably a month before we met you. 
and our original bass player had stage fright so bad that he froze up before he went out on stage. I, I remember you telling me that. That's that's, and he wasn't Jim Morrison, so that's why he's no longer around. It was the dude. It was the freakiest thing I've ever encountered in my life because I went from playing with. So my music career started out when I was nine. I had a bunch of guys that I went to high school with that one of them became a drummer. One of them became a bass player. A bunch of us became guitar players. And there was one guy that taught us all how to play. And he was an amazing teacher. And all these oh, guys, yeah. all these guys, believe it or not, are still playing to this day. And a lot of them are in a band together. So it's amazing at the community that he created as far as, you know, we all still know each right other. On. We still talk to each other. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. So I never knew anybody that was afraid to play in front of someone like that thought had, we were too stupid to know you were supposed to be scared, you know, and that once you've, right. you know, <laughs> once you've played in front of people, that feeling yeah. just gets less and less as far as like we've talked about, it's more of your adrenaline's pumping, you're ready to get on the stage. It's not that you're afraid right, to go right. out there. It's just that you can't stop your leg from shaking and mm -hmm. you just got right. all this adrenaline going and you're ready to get out right, there and make right. it happen. You know, this guy, he was like, yep, yep. he was like in shock, dude. Like I put my hand in front of his face and there was nothing like no, yeah, no eye movement, wow. nothing. So I, I suppose I should back up because the way this happened was I'm bullshitting with the guys who were going on before us and the guys who had just come off the stage and Scott came over and he said, right. you better go see what's going on with, I'm not going to mention names, but anyway, he said, you better go on and see what's right. going on with this dude because something ain't right. So that's what happened when I went up to him. It yeah. was just, there was nothing, man. He was gone. And I don't remember what I said to get him out wow. there, but it probably wasn't nice. That was it. <laughs> After that game. Scott, Scott, yeah, Scott being the late great drummer. Yeah. Yes. Unfortunately, Scott's no longer with us. Rest in peace. So. Yeah. After that gig, he was, he was tarnished. That, yeah, that was the moment in time that I knew Scott wasn't going to put up with any bullshit because at the end of that gig, he's like, that can never happen again. So we're going to have to find a new singer and a new bass player. And I thought he was yeah. kidding. I figured he would calm down, yeah. well, come no, down that, off that... the ledge. <laughs> but yeah. no, the very next day he no. called me up and he says, I'm going to pick up my equipment at so-and-so's house. And uh, I suggest you go do the same thing because I'm done. He said that that can't ever happen again, and it's hard to argue with that. You can't, no. you can't. Oh yeah, you just can't be in a band with somebody that, on any given moment, they're going to panic on you. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. That's why I said the only person that 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 ever worked for that I know of is is Morrison because Morrison had extreme strange fright when they first started playing, to where he would. He would stand side stage and, and not look at the crowd. He'd still sing. He'd still perform. But there was, he just, until he finally was probably on some weird, you know, type of psychotic or hallucinogen or something that would, you know, make him oblivious to what he was doing. It took him a while to actually turn around and embrace the crowd. 
you know, thankfully he did because, you know, the doors would never be the doors had Morrison not turned around. Yeah. And I don't know if this is a, one of the greatest American rock bands of all time. I don't know if this is a historical fact or not, but I've heard the same thing about Eddie Van Halen. I, you know, ironically enough, I have too, but the difference with that, he's hiding behind a guitar, essentially. Correct. Right? And then you get, I think it's, I think personally because, and this is biased because I'm, I've always been a lead singer of the band, so I've been in, but it's, it's, I think it weighs more on the singers because there's nothing between me and the crowd. You have an instrument. Scott could hide behind a drum kit, not hide, but Scott was behind a drum kit. Bass players behind the bass, guitarists behind the guitar. So you have something tangible. And because I never really had the patience, because we'll call it that, I never had the patience to actually play an instrument or learn how on a grand scale. Um, I didn't, I didn't have anything to kind of block, I guess is the, I don't know what I'm, you get, you get what I'm trying to say though. I'm like, I'm there. Like there's, they got to go through me to get to everybody else. So the ownership of everything kind of fell on, on the singers in my mind and did the, the musicians in the band because you had that element. You didn't have to engage the crowd. You didn't have to look at the crowd. You didn't have to you could just turn around and jam with the bass player, you know, turn around and jam with the drummer, you know? Yeah, I would, I would actually agree with, sense. no, I would actually agree with everything you're saying a million percent. And I've described it to non-musicians the same way you just did there's two things that will make a band fail immediately one if you have a bad drummer you're not going anywhere i don't care how great everybody else is if your drummer sucks your band sucks the same thing goes with your front man if you don't have someone that can command a crowd you're fucked and i only know that Not as a theory, but in practice, because after you left the band, everything progressively went downhill because as much as I love Rick, he just wasn't the, he just wasn't the commanding personality that you were on stage. I'm not that commanding personality either. That's why, you know, doing this podcast is something that's really out of the box for me. It's not something that I normally would do. Ironically enough, it's something I've always wanted to do, but. I'm probably going to progressively get better and better as I do it. And you're going to be very much the same because you're used to being in front of a microphone and talking to people. And everybody, I forced Mike to do this. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and and before I forget, I, you know, it's, it, the, I've been in what, what, uh, disturbed nemesis, no, disturbed illusion dog nemesis. Um, and the council are the only four bands I recognize. And, and, and I don't know what it is. And this isn't me. Ooh, look at me. But every time I left, they all fell apart. I don't know why that is. Like, I don't know why. I, the, the, the biggest regret I have musically is leaving Nemesis. I wish I never did that. I wish I would have just stuck through the shit I was dealing with. And, and we just went on a hiatus for a while for me to, to get to where I needed to be. Yeah, we wish you, we wish you um, would have done that too. But it just, I didn't, because of what we had, that dude that wanted to follow the band around and record it live, I didn't, I didn't want to be the reason that that didn't happen. But, yeah, that didn't know, happen. Looking back on it, if I could go back into, yeah, oh, well, it was supposed to happen, but so, looking back on it in 
So that dude, I can't remember I have, his last name. Yeah, go ahead. Tell me what I, I can't remember yeah. his last name. His name was Jeff. So he was a liaison between okay. Metal Blade and ourselves. He was going from being a live sound right. engineer. The last tour that he did before he mm-hmm. got with us was the Queensryche tour. I think it was their Promised Land right. album. I, I, I can't remember what that album is right. called. I think it was called the Promised right. Land. They were, right. So he was their front yeah, of house sound engineer. Saying, and that was during EMI. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he had just done that last tour with Queensryche. And he was building a studio in his house in Paradise Valley. So Scott and I went and toured the studio, mm-hmm. which was amazing. He just basically took one whole half of a gigantic house in Paradise Valley, and he made that half of the house a studio. He was going to start recording right. Right bands on. for Metal Blade. So basically what we had was we had a development deal with Metal Blade and he was going to be our producer, but there was one condition when you left, you were the, re- you were the biggest reason that he wanted the band because it was the whole package. See, I never, I, I, I never knew that. I never knew the whole metal blade stuff. All I, all I ever knew was we were going to go do these shows in the Midwest for a month or so. And, and I just, I didn't know that whole development part of it because had i known then it really would have been okay we need to get chris healthy so then we can really do this thing well because he wanted i I never would have he wanted us to go do those shows because so basically anytime a band's getting ready to go in the studio they'll go do a little mini tour right that was going to be that little mini tour was just to make sure that we were playing every day and that we had no breaks between the time that right. we went out on that tour and that we went in the studio. It was just basically a warm up to go in and record what would have been our album. Gotcha. Yeah, see, I didn't know that shit. You didn't tell me that shit, Mike. Shame on you. I don't know if I had an option back then. But you know, anyway, so that. Yeah. So so yeah, that was one of those things that. And looking back in my life, there's not very many things I regret. But that's one of the things that that I've always regretted, and I and I tried to replace it right with with the two bands subsequently, and they just, you know, you know, you know, well, drop names, you know, but yeah. we we had something special, man. There was we've we've talked about it at nauseum between the two of us, but not to the general public. So we we yeah. had just an amazing relationship between the four of us and the. The conflicts that would arise, there was somebody that would always say something funny to make everybody laugh or whatever, man. We never, I don't think we ever came to the point where we were going to come to blows over anything. And we never argued about the direction Mm -hmm. of the music. It was always what's what's best for the song, always. Mm -hmm. Right, right. The only argument I ever honestly remember was when, Scott didn't like the amount of time I was saying, are you satisfied in that song? I wrote about my, my fun relationship with Roger Klein and then the refreshments. Now he's the peacemakers. Um, Cause he had, they had removed somebody from their band due to substance abuse problem, which I thought was fucked up. You stand by your, the refreshments, the wrote the, thing, uh, right? You stand by. The, the refreshments wrote the theme song to King of the Hill for those who aren't in the know. Right. They did. They did absolutely. He's still getting money for that, I'm sure. Oh, 
but yeah, yeah I'm sure they're so, making a good uh, living off it. We had a, we had a, yeah, we had a, we had a fun little, uh, I'm not going to say a friendship because it wasn't really that we'd run into each other at that, that Tempe nightclubs when they were playing and whatnot. And I just, I didn't like what they did to Dusty. So I held a sign up saying, where's Dusty at a show. And then halfway through the show, I replaced that sign by turning it around saying, Roger who? Oh, did that piss him off? I but think you, pu- I think you publicly over, cussed him out on stage a couple of times too. Yeah, I did. So, I just, well, I didn't cuss him out. I just, I referred to him as the tippy jangle jang the tippy jangle jangle sound tippy jingle jangle sound, and That's if you're it. here for that, you're in the wrong place because we're all about rock and roll. That was it. But yeah, he 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 uh, he. Uh, after that song was over, and my sign, Chris Donovan, was that you? Crowd went, and I was like, "What?" And I was like, five people from the stage. Is that you?" I'm like, "Yeah, we're gonna have a conversation about." You running your mouth about what you don't know about. I'm right here. You never came off the stage, obviously. It never amounted to anything other than that. But the fun thing was that lived on for a while because as we would play our shows and shit, people would randomly be like, oh, you're that dude that held that sign up and pissed Roger off. Yes, I am. So, you know. Not, not only that. And then I ended up selling a house to his brother, which was the weirdest thing. Not only that, man, I think the coolest thing for us is we were not single-handedly, but we were one of the first bands to change that particular region's sound from the gin blossoms to what it became later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we sold out every time we played. And back then, not a lot of people realize this, I'm sure, that are going to hear this, but back then you had to sell tickets for your show before the show. Yes. You couldn't just go to the door and say, I'm here to see this band. We actually had to sell our tickets to our shows ahead of time. Yes. Basically, we so had to guarantee that the club that people were tickets. going to show up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And we did. We I don't remember. We had a couple of shows at the Hollywood Alley that just were just shit. The typical, you know, four people in the crowd type thing when we first started playing out. But. I don't. I don't think the Mason Jar. We ever had a very. I think we always had a really solid crowd there. I know the ballroom. We always had a good crowd. Maybe in the very beginning, because yeah, we were playing. Like, yeah, but that was a weird Tuesday place night. to play too. It wasn't really band friendly. Remember how they had those really high fucking booths and shit with. You had to like lean up to see outside the booth. It just it didn't make sense to me that place. Where was that at? It's gone now. I forget what it is, but. The Hollywood Alley. Remember that off one on one in price or Oh yeah, that place was it was it was That place was set up all stupid, up. right? Yeah. Just, yeah, it was dumb, man. I had a buddy that played there. I'd go see him um in a band called Dow Jones, T A O Jones, and he took one of my poems and wrote a song with it, um, which was fucking badass. But I went and watched him play because he would play with he'd play a sitar. Like he somehow made a sitar work in rock, not fucking Indian, you know. That's awesome. That where it originated from, but just right. He made it work with rock and roll. I was like, fucking lights out, man. So I go check him that. out a couple times just because. Did he really? Yeah, the beginning know? of wherever I may roam is a sitar. Oh, get the fuck out of here! Hundred percent, dude. Huh. 
and when we get technically savvy, I would I would play go. it for you if I could, but I don't know how to do that right now. That's badass, dude. Yeah. That's very cool. All right. Well, we're approaching an hour, so I think we should figure out a way to wrap this thing up because I got to pee. All right. And you don't want me peeing on screen. That would be bad. Cause I'd have no, to no. Like, I don't think anybody it, needs to know. see that. But uh, so this is this is whatever we're going to call ourselves. Right now, the working thing is the Super Not Professional podcast with the subtitle Music of Mayhem. And, and what was the other thing? Uh, music, music and myth, and mayhem. What the fuck? Myth. Music. Yeah. Music, myth, yes. and mayhem is the subtitle. Music, myth, and mayhem. All under the umbrella. All in the Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a good, that's a good working title along with the super not professional podcast. You know, I think we accomplished a lot in our first podcast. I've never done a podcast before. I've, I have I've not done radio. I've done my quote unquote good. Yeah. I've never done I one mean, either. So this really is, well. you know, I'm happy with it. It'll be, it'll be cool to fuck around with it afterwards and, and see what we can do as far as, um, you know, editing it into, you know, video content type thing. And, Splicing little elements and shit and farming them out to a little world on Google. Yeah, I'm gonna make I, you. I, some... I, ironically enough, when I signed to my YouTube clips, I signed to my YouTube today. They have this new spot for podcasts. Awesome! Like, holy shit! Well, I'm gonna like, make you shit. some. You I'm gonna you, make you, you some clips. And... No, but I will. Okay. Okay. I'll, okay. I'll you gotta, we gotta, when we decide for sure what we're calling this damn thing, that's. That should be the podcast. That should be the YouTube channel name. And that's what I want to get to so, is we we'll know. we'll decide on a title in the next week and or day or whatever. And we'll Yeah. Put it up on YouTube yeah. and Facebook yeah. Yeah. and everyone can watch it. I'm exactly. going to sign off here. I Hold think on. this is a raging success, man. We're I had yeah. a very good time. Sign off. Anybody See you later. That, Until next anybody, time. Anybody that made it this far, we commend you. Until next time, peace. Yeah, absolutely. Until next time, see you later.